holiday. Wait, hold on, hold on, holiday. Okay, 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 what's up? It's Rafi. How are we doing today? Hola, mi gente. It's Beyonce. Just kidding. It's Nunu Parish, y'all. And this is Wait, Wait Don't, Don't Do, Do it. it, the show we tell you to. Wait! Let us introduce our special guest, Ashley Mena. Yeah! <laughs> Don't be all shy. Everyone always whispers their first line. Yes. <laughs> and y'all are not shy. How are you? I'm doing good, actually. You know, it's Sunday. We made it to the end of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we and, and then tomorrow onto the new week, girl. I know, I'm not ready. But you're a student. I am. At UMD. I am. Grad student. I am all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Telling her life story right now. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so Ashley and I met. Oh my God. Is a year ago? Yeah, yeah, a year or so ago. Um, we worked in the same office at the University of Maryland, and she has been such a delight, my Aquarius sister. Oh. And she dates a Gemini, so, you know, she gets it. Yeah. Yes. She gets it. I love Gemini in my life. My <laughs> mama, you know, It's so hard to find people that say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so today's interview, our current administration's rhetoric mm. um, has been focused mainly on the criminalization of the Latin <laughs> community. Mm-hmm. But in spite of this, Latinx culture is obviously so rich and it's upbringing mm-hmm. full of obstacles and triumphs mm-hmm. that contribute to a keen resilience, um, allowing millions, including yourself, to persevere in the face of adversity. Yes. So we're about to get into it, start from the beginning and get to now. Yes. You ready? Yes. Let's do it. So take us back, because I remember what it's like to grow up in a Latin America. Wait, for, are you first generation or second generation? Plot twist, I'm third generation. Okay. Yes. So you have so who immigrated to the country first? Yeah, so my great grandmother actually immigrated right after okay. Trujillo was killed um, mm-hmm. in the sixties. So she immigrated here with my grandma um, and they came to New York. And yeah, we've been we here. Are, that's where we all go, girl. That's that's where right. we all go. Here we are. Um, and then on my dad's side, my grandfather actually came. My grandfather and my grandmother came mm-hmm. in the seventies. Yeah. So okay. we've been here for some time now. Uh, has uh, because I'm from first generation, so like the culture is still right in your face. Mm-hmm. How much uh, has it been? How much of the Dominican culture was exposed to you growing up, especially like, yeah. as a child? Yeah. Um, did you was, grow up in New York? I'm sorry, did you? Right. So, actually, I actually grew up in New Jersey. I was right. born in the Heights, and when I was like six, five-ish, we moved into New Jersey, and I've lived most of my life there, and now my family lives out in Central Florida. Okay. So, um, like, a lot of the culture, but I was never, like, a cool Dominican kid. I yeah. was always like, you're not... cool? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, like, I get exactly what she means. What does like, that mean? Like, the, the, like Dominicans, are the, uh, Dominicans and Puerto Ricans are known, and some Cubans are known as the most ex-boisterous. Of the Latin, they're very boisterous. They're loud. They have a lot of personality. They're the, the ones that drive, and they also drive a lot of the music influences <laughs> yes. that is in our mainstream culture. Is Dominican like anything you hear with top forty is probably Dominican and Puerto okay. Rican. And yeah. so I guess that's what you mean by like because like I always thought like that too. Mm-hmm. I was like, never Dominican enough. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like all of these things, right? All of these things that we deal with, right? Yeah. Like I was never Dominican enough, but. I, like, in high school, started going to, like, a Dominican high school. We went to, like, a church with a bunch of Dominicans. So, like, I was getting the culture. Yeah. I just wasn't very cool, which is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I've learned a lot more as I've gotten older about 
my culture and what it's like to just be Dominican. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's our, that's our next question. So what is it? What does it mean to be a Dominican woman, Latina mm-hmm. in America? Very different, and especially in Latin America, I feel like mm-hmm. women are treated so differently than boys. Yeah, and especially especially they say uh, me and me and uh, Nunu, not him. Me and Nunu yeah. were, uh, <laughs> were like, uh, I don't know if we were actually talking about this, but I heard a, a line that was like, moms raise their daughters, but uh, love their boys. And how triggered are you right now? Because <laughs> you have siblings? She, I do have siblings. You have all sisters though, right? Yep, I have four all sisters. sisters. Okay. Um, and so I didn't really get to experience that growing up, that yeah. the, the machismo, like the, mm. what, mm, I don't know if I didn't experience the machismo, but like... I didn't get to experience that preference for boys until, like, my newest cousin was born. My sweet baby cousin, the first boy in my generation. And all of a sudden, everybody was, oh, pero tenemos un hijo ahora, da 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 And I was just like, so the rest of us just throw us away? That's it? Okay. Um, And so being Latina is, being Dominican and being Latina has been... I don't know, experiential. I feel like I get a lot of both experiences. Um, I watch like the Pero Like videos, and I yeah. had like Julissa and um, Gladian yeah. kind of offer me the language for the first time of being Dominican American. Yeah. And so I really feel like that's been my experience where like I have both, most of my best friends are Dominican, but I hang out also in like really feminist spaces, right? Really womanist spaces. Um, and so I'm. I have the language to kind of be like no like we're not we're not playing that game what you're not gonna do is be like you need to learn how to cook and clean and my mom was never really like that either yeah. I get some of that like from the church and from my grandparents you're like oh pero tu no sabe cocinar tiene que aprender so that you can get married I'm just like that is like a, that is like some that's something that you fill the house with with conversation is like mm-hmm. that's how my, that's what my mom, my mom the first thing that my mom jokes with my sister is is the food ready for us mm-hmm. it's because she knows that the food is not ready mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because my sister doesn't cook and it's like so, like heavy. I, they, no one expects anything from me. If they, my parents came to my place. They will not give me a hard time. At yes. All. They would give my sister a hard time. Yes. My uncle is like. Wow. My mom is always helping my grandma prepare for yeah. whatever, and my uncle is just watching Chilling. whatever with my grandfather and all the men in a room, and I'm just like, if you don't get over here and clean, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I, fight you all. I'm learning so much. I mean, I do think there's still similarities in at least my family experience. Mm-hmm. I'm like black and rural. Also raised Pentecostal, Pentecostal for my Puerto Ricans out there. So yeah, there definitely is that that culture of yeah. I mean, every family event, it's just the women in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and uh, the men are there. The woman, the, the, the woman that's in charge of it, and they make the plate for the men. Mm-hmm. And she eats alone because yeah. So my grandma, I'm like, sit down. Yeah, I will serve you. Yeah, she will. Oh, yeah. I grab my eat first, though. She'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that because taking care of yourself is so important. Yeah. She'll take care of the right. kids and then she'll eat. She won't do it for the adults now. Yeah. This point, but okay. That makes sense. Wow, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. You're not to be a good Dominican woman. Wow. So, mm-hmm. what um, specific either experiences or rites or passage do you think you had to overcome in the community? Mm, what do you mean, overcome? I overcome, I guess, I mean, more like past. I feel like there's certain rites of passage in terms of different cultures, whether it's a baptism, mm-hmm. um, you know, be- doing what it's right to become a man, a woman, mm-hmm. or a any, person, yeah, a person mm-hmm. to be valid within your family or your culture. Mm. 
Hmm. Because you said you were not the cool one. Is a, is a term like I don't know. It's not it's Oreo for us, but was it was it that kind of cool? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was very much like out of all of my Dominican friends, like I'm the the most like white quote yeah. unquote like because. I like liked reading and I was academically inclined and I was like really nerdy and so all of these things. Um, I think maybe my rite of passage was when I was for myself. Right. I think there was one for me and then there was one where other people started to see. So like my dad gave me this book um, about Dominicans and it was like the first time. It's called In the Time of the Butterflies and it's by Julie Alvarez who was like the Dominican author before Juno Diaz got really big. She was like my awakening, my Dominican awakening. I'm learning like for real. <laughs> so she writes about our history. And I had never heard about our history, right? Like to me, like being Dominican was like like, lo que? like I'm yeah. listening to bachata and merengue, yeah. like I'm eating my platano, my salami, like whatever. All of those things. And that is part of my experience. But for the first time I had this story where these people were like political resistors. Right, like my people, there was a little girl that like I was like, oh, that's me, um, and she was her family was resisting against the dictator Trujillo, and I was like, oh, look, we're intelligent and kind and brave, and that was going against all of the rhetoric that I had been learning about myself, internalizing about myself that like yeah. we're ghetto and we're poor and we're bad and we're these and right, all of these things are rooted a lot of that was rooted in like anti-blackness, right, yeah. class differences, like we're not like those Dominicans, like what does that, what does that mean? unpack those things and so reading that book was my rite of passage that's when I was like no I am this then I had like a sweet 16 like my whole court was Dominican (laughs) and all of a sudden I was spending a lot of time with my peers and my colleagues and my friends and they weren't my colleagues at the time we were like 16 but (laughs) (laughs) I was like yeah you those coffee breaks between third period girl I know, I know. <laughs> but I was spending time with my friends and they were like in my youth group and so um, you know we were like a religious bunch but like I was learning how to be like a teenager and how to be Dominican more authentically to myself right I'd start incorporate like the cool lingo that my friends were using and like I knew about like the music and what was on and all of these things that was it. That is so interesting because you're the oldest, right? Yes. And you have all the, so are your sister's experiences similar to yours or are, are they more ingrained or are they cool? I'm going to keep using this term, but cool, cool <laughs> or, you know, more Dominican. Sure. I don't know how to phrase it. Mm, so there, our experiences are different. I went to a predominantly white middle and elementary school. Um, and then in high school, I went to a school that was mostly Dominican black. And so that's when I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this is different. Yeah. Um, my sisters have been going to um, schools that largely have Puerto Rican populations since middle school. Oh, wow. So because they moved down to Central Florida, I mean, oh, everybody's yeah. Puerto Rican. My sisters are half Puerto Rican, half Dominican. <laughs> and so they have much more of a swag about them than I ever did at their yeah. age. And I probably never will. Um but I don't know if they're feeling as Dominican. Like my grandma's put a lot of that into me too. Like I spent a lot of time with my grandma going on, um, growing up, and they didn't really get to, or they do. My grandma's still a lot, but she's chilling five minutes from my house. But they don't spend as much time. They don't speak Spanish as well, so that's really a big oh, one. I know you. That's a lot of thing too. That's a that's, that's a, common a, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, to me, it's like I can't. I 
I could probably speak Spanish to my mom and parents. I still do that to my mm-hmm. parents. But if I speak Spanish to a stranger, I sound just like, I feel like any person that I used to be like, they don't speak Spanish. You know what I'm saying? I sound just the same. Yes. And it's like, and it's so hard to control at this point and people don't understand how. Because I went and I felt that same feeling of the not being cool when I went mm-hmm. to visit my sister mm-hmm. because they were, because language keeps evolving mm-hmm. with the times and especially with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, Salvadorian culture has developed this like urbanization mm-hmm. lingo that I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. And so I was lost, mm-hmm. lost, 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 lost. Because my sister, you know, she lives in uh, Port Chester, which, or she lives outside of Port Chester now, but it's very Latino, very everything. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that, yeah, my, my Spanish is very much falling back. Mm-hmm. It's like an old version that's like not, uh, not presentable with young people anymore mm-hmm. and definitely good with like older people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel that's the same way in black culture. Mm-hmm. Like, um, now I work in a predominantly black space, but I had never done that until... Mm-hmm you know, last year, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh my gosh, what do these kids talk about mm-hmm. nowadays? Because <laughs> I'm so used to, you know, presenting for just a general audience, not specifically mm-hmm. an urban audience, and you get to really learn, like, it's all these words. <laughs> yes, I just learned what a visco girl is, like, I don't, I still am not sure exactly what it is, but it's like a term to describe, like, the girls who use, like, the visco app on Instagram, so they have, like, a visco... I don't even know. Like What's, a town. A visco? What's visco? It's a um, editor, like a picture editor that people use to edit their photos for Insta usually. Okay, okay. As far as Face I understand. Got it. Okay, Face it's 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, visco girl. Do-do. <laughs> and so like they have like a hydro flask. They wear like the big old scrunchies. They wear the very long yep. shirts with no shorts. Uh, not no shorts, but like the really short shorts under. And so I'm like, I'm not sure like who I'm this that, person is. I'm not, I'm not be that girl. <laughs> This is, this is a very rare outfit that I have, like, leggings on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, wow. So, right, I'm like, okay, like, I'm aging out. Yeah. I don't know when this happened, but it's happening. But let's tap into, you brought it up, like, because I feel like Dominicans, mm-hmm. more, and, like, I, I, the whole Latin America is very, col- like, colorist, because I know that yeah. in this in El Salvador, if you're, we would call anyone darker than what I would be, mm-hmm. is uh, Son Tablo mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're, like, very dark, mm-hmm. burnt. And so... I know in Dominican culture, it's to the point where mm-hmm. since There's there is history. black passing people, like mm-hmm. they're black, mm-hmm. they're Afro-Latinos, mm-hmm. they completely push off that they are black. They just mm-hmm. say that they're Dominican. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So how do you, do you have any family members that you've seen that in? Or have you, when was the first time you experienced that also? Right. And what, what did you think about that too? Sure. So in my experience, um, I'm trying to think like, how do I frame this conversation? Because there's so much history in the Dominican Republic, right, of anti-blackness. There's a history, um, because we share the island with Haiti, of anti-Haitian sentiment um, and trying to be as proximate to whiteness as possible, right? But that's very distant, right? Because I, I'm as I get older, I, I studied ethnic studies, and mm-hmm, I'm in a socially right. justice-based program, social justice-based program now. So a lot of that is examining yourself, and it's. Um, really being able to identify how these things are impacting my perceptions, right? What are my preferences around um, what's beautiful, you know, things like that. And so I do see the preference, the anti-blackness, right? I do see the trying to be proximate to whiteness. There's a phrase um, that I've heard 
not in my immediate family, but in my extended family, where the notion of marrying somebody who is lighter than you or a white person or like a white European person is called mejorando la raza, which is to say like bettering the race. Um, Literally, girl. Yeah, it's it's not not a game like... That's deep. Yeah, right. This comes from a history of colonialism, right? Right. We, We historically, I don't know... I'm not on the foreground of the anti-blackness movement in the DR, right? So I don't want to speak to that experience. This is my very Dominican-American experience. Um, my ideas of race are influenced by the United States as opposed to in DR. I don't even know what the terms for what my skin color are in, D- in like DR, but I know that that exists. Um, Have you been to the DR? Um, twice. Okay. Yeah. Like, how old are you? The first time I was 10, and then I went this past year for my best friend's wedding. Okay. Very much as a tourist, right? And so when you ask, like, do we use the word, the term moreno to describe people, that's how we describe Haitian people. That is a very oh, othering yeah, term, in my experience. Yeah, 100%. Like, right? that's how it would be. Moreno is what we say, too. Yeah. yeah. And so when you're darker skinned, there's... My grandfather has taught me that there's, like, a bunch of different words to describe all of the colors that we come in. But even being darker skinned, like, you don't get described as moreno. Like, that's pejorative like that's rude to describe somebody that way or it's like those nicknames that you don't like when people when they're kind of mean like somebody's yeah. like oh you're gordo and like yeah <laughs> but they would call <laughs> they, so that rude. would be a nickname though so that would be yeah. a nickname if someone is dark they would call her morena yeah yeah and so wow I just, i'm seeing a lot of just cultural crossing mm-hmm. just in black culture because Nicknaming. Do white people have nicknames? Y'all, y'all sound off. White people have so fucking. Don't even. No, we're not talking about white people. We're not getting fucking names. We're not dealing with these fucking white bitches. I'm not dealing with white people today. Next, next. But like, I just know in like these cultures, there's a lot of nicknames. Like, I know I have cousins. Um, and it's fine. But I have cousins named Fat Stuff, Pig, all these kind of things. Yeah. Not that it's like negative. These people don't view it as yep. negative. Yep. But it's just, it's just that. I mean, I, I got used to getting called Gordo. So well, why like, do we have cultures that? Are nicknaming us based because on because like we have been humiliated our entire lives, so we show love through humiliation. And sometimes you, yeah, wow. reclaiming some. Yeah, of those we reclaim things. that. I just, I'm shocked. Yeah. yeah. No, I want you to know, like to me, coming from Central America, I think yeah. I I view Dominican, um, very very much so more. The colorism is much more in there and ingrained mm-hmm. because I see it because I like I said didn't start thinking about race mm-hmm. as far as, as what it concerned to me mm-hmm. until college mm-hmm. but I can just see how more um, it's more in your face mm-hmm. in Dominican culture it seems mm-hmm. like and, and my Puerto Rican family too like mm-hmm. they are much different than us and they sometimes come across like like I said they're very urban mm-hmm. but they right now especially moving to North Carolina are starting to lean towards whiteness mm-hmm. and not anything else they're kind of forgetting where they you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so it, it kind of correlates <laughs> with what uh, you're speaking to me <laughs> <laughs> it kind of correlates with what's going on in Puerto Rico but I mm-hmm. think that our, like, the Latino community does not acknowledge all the similarities that we have yeah. I think Dominicans very much don't associate themselves with Central America. Central Americans don't associate with them with Dominican. Because mm-hmm. I remember my parents would say that Dominicans and Puerto Ricans are ghetto. Mm-hmm. Right. That's because that's what it, that is. Mm-hmm. That, they're the more urban ones. Mm-hmm. That's right. What they would say. Mm-hmm. So and Cubans always got away with it because they're going through what they're going through. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the Cubans here are white, right? Very they're right. white passing, right. and so they claim it. Hello, with Trump, they claim that shit. Yeah. So Dominican Puerto Ricans are the ones that are like. Wow. But they have the most influence in our culture right now in the mainstream. Like I said, they have the most music out. Oh, yeah, let's talk about You know what? We do another tangent. Cause I, it's not the <laughs> questions, but I, now I'm interested in this topic. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, obviously we have famous people like Cardi B and all these other things, but you know, Fat Joe recently sh- said that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Re- I just heard I, about this two why, days ago. Why do we not talk about this? Yeah. Yes, so we're talking about really this. So Fat thing. Joe basically said what all Latino. I so I didn't read the article yet. I just heard. I'm gonna like, pull up Shade two Hold days on. ago. Let me pull it up. He said like so pretty much like all Latino music is like black music. And, like, yes. And he's and, not wrong. <laughs> and to me, it's like. The divide, that's what I'm saying. The divide is, I understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. To me, there's like, you have to also acknowledge that there's a difference in American black experience and Mm -hmm. like Latino black experiences. And like I said, we weren't not enslaved in this country, so we don't feel that burden as much as black people do. Mm -hmm. However, when you, I think what he means by, I hope what he means by, is like I said, we're, it seems like we're battling for for prop rights when we've all kind of done the same thing. Like I said, Mm -hmm. Dominican, Puerto Rican people. Are, like I said, the cool ones in Latin America, that's mm-hmm. what's able to push through the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what he's trying to say. That is yeah. what it is. Because let's be real, what's right, going on in the top 40 mm-hmm. is literally, is that what he's saying? No, he, I, 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 that's what I feel like he was pointing right, at. Right, he's saying like regarding the heritage. Yeah. That, Hello, because like white people have no influence in music right now. It's mostly trap music right now. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the trend. Mm-hmm. So it's, black, black artists are having the control in the media. That mm-hmm. Therefore, it makes sense why Latino... I mean, you'll see people from... I mean, we, of course, like our cumbias and our other sure. stuff. But what's hitting the mainstream and what's going on in our top 40 clubs and Latin, right. Latin clubs? It's um, J Balvin. Right. It's Malou... Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Yeah, Yeah, Osuna. But, and, I, and you know, I, I want to say, I like all of the... And in my mind, from what I have seen, like, these things are arising in, like... Caribbean Latin American spaces but and I feel like a lot of that influence is still stemming from like African American black music right like yeah. we didn't start with hip hop like we moved yeah. into reggaeton started developing right. all of that but that's coming from like New York. Americans yeah, New York. right and then when our communities are merging in these spaces right and we mm. see ourselves and we're like oh wait wait a minute yeah there's which is which is positive and is where we should be you know mm-hmm. we ought to be going well, and I live in a very Dominican complex. I, I live with a lot. Yes, in Brooklyn. Where? Everyone's Dominican. Really? Pretty much. Because everyone's... I'm looking I mean, for I'm a, our I people. I'm African I, and... No, no. Okay, African, but like... <laughs> everyone speaks Spanish. Everyone speaks Spanish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so everyone speaks Spanish and they're, and they're all black presenting. Mm-hmm. And so... From what, I'm see, from what I'm seeing is they... They... Right now what I'm seeing, there's no disconnect because I, I live with... There's one... American black man uh-huh. upstairs and there's one Central American Latina above uh-huh. me and then the people next to me are Dominican uh-huh. and everyone pretty much is following the same uh-huh. suit no one's like getting in the way but I think it's because we're trying to preserve uh-huh. people of color being in these spaces yeah. we know that things can go up price. so I think it's a communal thing but I don't see um, like I said I don't see genuine reach Interaction. or interactions yeah. that, that's what I'm not seeing uh-huh. and deeper. I wonder if they deep the root uh, feel that in themselves. Yeah. Like, I can't go into that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. But if you like Dominican spaces, if you're saying on D.C., Brooklyn, where I'm living, is mm-hmm. very Dominican. Very, uh, very black. Like Greenbelt. I mean, it is. Are you little. in Greenbelt? Yeah. Oh, my God, you're far. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you're in Greenbelt. Yeah, it's I like you 20 minutes. Closer. From here, but you know, it's only five minutes from campus, so yeah, I'm like 25 okay. minutes away. It's really nice. We're, we're in school, girls, okay? Uh, yes, we are. I, See, because I've been to Greenbelt one time, and that was a, I thought that was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Yes, so I want to talk about I'm gonna bring it back. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> sorry to listen. <laughs> I, I want to talk about because you, you know, you're 
passion is being in this higher education mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And you started off going to Rutgers. I did. In New Jersey. Yes. And tell me about those experiences as a Latino woman there. Is it what cuz I don't imagine a big presence there. It's a white school. So Rutgers is a PWI. Um, it is about the size of Maryland. We're looking at like 40,000, 50,000 students. Okay. Wow. Um, it's a research one okay. institution as well. We're the state institution of New Jersey. Um, and we have three different campuses. we got New Brunswick, which is where I went. We have Newark, which is up in northern Jersey. And then we have Camden, which is in southern Jersey. Um, despite being at a PWI, because of my involvement with the Ethnic Studies Department, the Latino and Hispanic Caribbean Studies mm-hmm. Department, I had Latino faculty members. My first semester, I took a, a course with a faculty member from the College of Ed, actually called the Latino Experience in College. Mm-hmm. And the moment I got there, I had moved into this Latinx space. Um, and then uh, we had a, like, I have to think about how I have to say this. <laughs> we have a Latino, a Center for Latino Arts and Culture at Rutgers. It's called the CLAC. And it's the hub for the Latino community, most of which is Dominican, Puerto Rican, um, and then our South American, like Colombian, Peruvian, Mexican, like Latinx, pan-ethnic Latinx community, right? So coming here and we don't have a space like that is like, leaves me shook. Yeah, yeah. I, we were talking about... Yeah, but... <laughs> so the Latinx community was fairly strong at Rutgers. Um, our VPSA right now is um, Latinx. Our, our vice president of student affairs, which is the field that I study, is Latinx at Rutgers. Um, and is working with a um, VP that's... I don't know what... She's not a VP. Whatever. His supervisor is a black woman, right? So there's representation throughout the university. New Brunswick has a huge Oaxacan Mexican population. Um, North Jersey has a huge population of Dominicans. So like we were there. I didn't feel like I was in these white spaces. Yeah. I also studied urban planning and that was more white. But because I was focused in community development, there was always people of color in the room. Yeah. it's not until I got here that I was like, oh, I'm in a white, white space. So you yeah. transitioned to the University of Maryland, and um, it's a, which, um, if you don't know, has a lot of recent history of mm-hmm. racial issues with the stabbing of um, a, Lieutenant, uh, Collins. Lieutenant Collins, who was a student at Bowie State mm-hmm. visiting the campus, yes. and then Jordan the, McNair, right, the football player, because the coach pushed him too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are relatively, in my experience, no Latinos mm-hmm. at that school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very odd. Even the black spaces, I mean, if you, I don't know if you noticed, but I feel like the black people didn't come out into the student union until like, after like five. There's like a certain time. <laughs> no, there's like a specific time where like you would see like where all the black people mm-hmm. were, but like it was never like for the undergraduate population. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't like groups out here on campus. Right. You know what I mean? It seems from I want to talk to you about this because he brought up this point that mm-hmm. we are that we have no representation in some of these universities. Yeah. And to me, we talked. Me and Nunu talk about this how. Um, uh, black people have more history in America. Yeah. So they've been so they've managed now to come up with black money and there's like they have mm-hmm. their own spaces and yeah. their own medias. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed that in Latin America like in American culture, mm-hmm. Latin the Latin presence is virtually nothing. Because I feel like our <coughs> movies are still being not being written by us, they're mm-hmm. being written by white people. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hustlers was written by a white woman, mm-hmm. so uh, like, so we have no like we have no pro black film uh, or pro Latino film societies or film. Uh, um, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I'm saying. There's no there's no uh, 
HBCUs versus there's no there, yeah even HBCUs. Yeah, I was about to say I was gonna go into this. there's Hispanic oh, serving institution yeah. institutions which I just learned that where are they at exactly are you they're gonna, mostly well they're not here they're like the right West. they're not in Maryland so and to clarify obviously a historically black college university means most people are black or yeah. color but Hispanic serving institutions only counted if it's 25% yeah. enrolling so it's not even like it's a not majority yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's because of, but, but in this country most um, uh, students just like yourself Latino mm-hmm. students go through community college first mm-hmm. and yeah. then go to mm-hmm. the university setting right. so it's to me we don't have and Latin Americans don't have the rhetoric or the empowerment yet to stand up for ourselves. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. We have no influencers mm-hmm. that have, like Maluma and all these, Ozuna, I love their songs, mm-hmm. but they're not out here saying what Beyonce said in Formation mm-hmm. or in Lemonade. They're mm-hmm. not advocating. We, first of all, women don't have a presence in, in Latino music. It's all men. Mm-hmm. It's all men. It's like it's like Drake songs that are in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Oh, this girl broke my heart. You did, but that, does that really happen in Latin, in, Latin, in Latin families where the man is the one that's doing all the work and the woman's the one out gallivanting? Hell no. But we the, we are creating this this like microcosm of oppression of our own selves because mm-hmm. we're taking we're accepting masculinity mm-hmm. as the guiding light mm-hmm. and it's not leading us anywhere yeah. and that's why I feel like we like we're in this situation with this administration he, this man won because he said fuck Mexicans mm-hmm. and people again Latino people and Mexican people are not empowered yet to be like wait this is completely off because mm-hmm. I do believe that if, I would hope so that is so clear nowadays because everyone thinks racism is black and white mm-hmm. that if he would have said we need to get black people out of this country mm-hmm. that would have gotten a little different yeah. but I think that because Latinos are not empowered in this country mm-hmm. we're not taken seriously we're not seen yet we're just seen as this new form of they clean after us mm-hmm. oh you can't get rid of them who's going to clean after us mm-hmm. that's how they defend us mm-hmm. so because of all these rhetorics I feel like we there's still not a, a platform for Latinos to really empower some pero like is very like like the YouTube thing that mm-hmm. you brought up, mm-hmm. I watched that and I'm like, this is this is where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's not. To me, first of all, it belongs to BuzzFeed. I don't trust BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, <laughs> okay. But but to me, it, like, where does it? You know, where's this going? Where's the political power? Where's the pro, where's the political power? Sure. Uh, Alexandra Ozario Cortez, yes. most influential woman of 2019. Our favorite, because she's. Iconic. Iconic. Literally amazing. But white people will be like, oh, I love her. But they won't even acknowledge the fact that she's a Hispanic woman sometimes. Yeah. They'll just say, like, I just love her. She mm-hmm. says everything she's I wish I could say. But some, yeah, so that's kind of, I want to take that conversation and ask you, have you mm-hmm. noticed these things? Like, mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like, why is this happening? And then sure. you realize, like, because there's not an, like, we don't have something to look up to right now. We just sure. have our own families and our own things. Sure. And that's great. But sure. we need, to me, I think we need someone at a level of a Beyonce, an icon. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have a Latin American icon yet. We have Jennifer mm-hmm. Lopez, but again, has she They're done celebrities. That? They're celebrities. Well, Beyonce but, is too, actually. What am I saying? But, but to me, like... <laughs> um, Clearly, I didn't think of her right. I thought but of her as me, more. Like, she's she more of a celebrity. But like I'm saying, icon. Icon. Mm. Icons have power. Let me and think. Is Jen... Is Jennifer Lopez an icon? I, you asked a lot of questions. Mm. Yeah. So let's let her talk. Because okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't... <laughs> so, to make sure I understand... Yeah. Can you rephrase the question for me? <laughs> I don't know me? what question he was asking either. I, I don't know what I was just setting up the question. I don't know where the question went. Yeah. But because Latin Americans do not have 
the vocabulary, the rhetoric, mm-hmm. or the empowerment to kind of say what's going on with this administration is mm-hmm. wrong, and mm-hmm. this is literally re- history repeating itself. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to happen again, mm-hmm. and I think okay. that we and we like I said we struck. I don't know how this how Latin American money is going where where that's going to come from. Sure, I don't know how long it's going to take for us to even so, get. So, what is your take on the political climate <laughs> and where you see the community Good. as a whole going? Yeah. Oof. <laughs> You just handed me You're a welcome. question. I, I handed her the question, and then she gave it to you. <laughs> That's a question that you just asked. Yeah. Oof. Um, hmm. You have to come up with a plan right now. I mean, <laughs> look, I think you're pointing at a lot of different like pieces of this, right? So we have like the administrative piece. Um and then I think in the meta that's happening behind that or around that, you're, I think, Ruffy, you're pointing at the fact that um, the, a pan-ethnic identity is not a racial identity, right? And so you are trying, we are trying to collectively sometimes under the guise of Latinidad, right, yeah. or Latinx community or Hispanic identity or whatever the term is currently, um, like as we move away from some of the terms, to create through very young movement, right, political power. And there is some political movement. There is a historical notion of political movement, right? But some of these these things are centered in hubs, right? So in the rest of the country outside of the East Coast, the largest population of Latinos, of Latinx folks, is Mexicans. I actually just saw a map recently that was kind of painting this image that just, I mean, everything beyond New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, Massachusetts, like just all everything beyond is Mexican, right? So for a lot of people, that is their reality, right? And honestly, the Chicanos have given us the foundation in the Latinx community to have political power, right? Like we, we didn't get here, right? What was happening on our end on our own. Like we had... Um, brown power, right, in the West Coast. That's how we ended up with the Young Lords way back in the 70s in the East Coast. Um, so they're, they are just setting that foundation. But that foundation, right, is being set upon, like, black Americans, right, who have laid that foundation for us to have political um, power. And so there's been coalition building, right, historically. And on the political fronts, there is coalition building. Um, does the media always portray that, right? Does that always end? Well, not always, right? There's still... Um, tension right rife between our communities as we're trying to gather ourselves as what is or is not a Latinx community, right? Even within the Latino community, the term Latinidad and the notion of this Latinist centered on family, um, our colonial, shared colonial heritage, our anti-blackness a lot of times, this like Spanish historical food language influence. Mm-hmm. Um, even within our community where like that doesn't hold space for everyone, right? Especially our indigenous folks, right? Our folks who are black, right? Our folks who aren't Catholic and Christian, right? They get to push to the sides people who exist on the gender spectrum, those of us who are like queer in all of the different ways that that may be. Latinita doesn't always hold space for that, especially in mainstream American contexts, right? Where the faces of these communities become very white, very Eurocentric mm-hmm. looking. Oh. Um, and so they, we just continue to push away, right? And so what what I see sometimes is that the administration is pushing against this brown immigrant narrative, right? Us, right? But not me, because I don't fit that narrative. I'm not Mexican, right? Yeah. The, the narrative is very anti-Mexican, anti-Chicano, an anti-brown Chicano. Like, if you look indigenous, then we're coming for you. If I'm in, in Texas, there's not a guarantee. Like, I 
passes black sometimes, yeah. right? Um, like, I am black, but people don't read me as Latina sometimes outside right, of the right. East Coast. Um, so, you know, the administration is in this very anti-Mexican sentiment, and the community who's rallying is our black and brown colleagues, right? Our black, black, and, brown, black and brown Latinx colleagues. But then who's given the attention, the face, becomes this white voice who does yeah. not always, does sometimes, does sometimes do the work, don't get me wrong, in these yeah. political spaces, does sometimes show up and put their lives on the line, but it's typically yeah. who is giving, being given attention to for the work and who's actually doing the coalition building. Yeah. yeah. And I also see, if it's not a white person, it's a white passing person. Yeah, and light uh, brown, and long, I, straight and hair. I don't think people understand that identity politics, like I said, is a real thing. And I think, mm-hmm. I can't relate to, I don't care if the person is his, born, like Hispanic, mm-hmm. but if they're white presenting mm-hmm. or white passing, mm-hmm. that doesn't do something for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell me that I can, I, it doesn't tell me that we were a part of that coalition. So then you know how you feel about these uh, political democratic candidates, you know, using their little Spanish. Oh, I, d- and, I don't you know. I don't. I think it's insulting. I think it's absolutely it. insulting. I think it's absolutely like to the it point. It is. It is so. Well, Cory Booker's in Newark, right? We're talking about Cory Booker. Yeah. Well, Cory Booker. Cory Booker, Booker, the other one, the other one from, Beto, like, from Yeah, yeah. Beto is annoying. Beto got me. When I found out he wasn't Latino, I said, "Fuck Beto." I said, "He's not really. He's not even Latino, is he?" No, he's white. I think he. Had, he's he. Girl, look it up. We gotta call him out, but go ahead. You wanna call him out? He ain't even Latino. That's the thing. So these people who are in these communities, right, in these Latinx communities, because yeah. Corey's in um, Newark and has a huge Latinx community, um, are looking to relate, right? And yeah. I don't know that, if this pan Latinx identity, like for those of us who don't speak Spanish, right? Think about all the indigenous languages that we don't speak Spanish. Yeah. So what does it look like to really relate? to such a broad, diverse group of folks. Like, we come from, like, 15 to 20 different countries. Right. Mm-hmm. All with different cultures. Like, as close as, and as much community as I build with my Cuban, Puerto Rican, like, Dominican colleagues, and I love, there are still differences, right? There are things that are different. The relationship between DR and Puerto Rico has been trife, um, rife sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. There is anti-Dominican sentiment in Puerto Rico, and like in the United States, there's anti-Puerto Rican sentiment among Dominicans. Like there's, um, there's beef sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And so when somebody's just somebody for political clout is trying to leverage that, it becomes obvious who does the work, who who knows their history and yeah. who doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I think we're seeing that, right? As everybody's like trying to beat I, Trump. I know. <laughs> Please do. So you are here in <laughs> Georgia's County, Maryland, which has been predominantly black and brown mm-hmm. for decades at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, at the university, we see none of that culture and the population. Yeah, period. So um, but I, I do, we, we both were part of social justice programs, mm-hmm. which, you know, did have us in those schools. Mm-hmm. So I was at mostly uh, brown or Latino servant schools. It wasn't actually until this, uh, I got out of school that I was in an all-black area. And it's very odd. It's mm-hmm. very odd for me because where I am, it's just mostly black people. Mm-hmm. And so now that it's Hispanic Heritage Month, mm-hmm. it's still not as big as I saw at other places. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not aware of like the translation services because we don't have a big Latino population, and it, it's still like a, a separation. Yeah. And I, it's hard to be. It's hard to figure out ways to show allyship and to be have a voice for for community. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, what are you doing here? Since there is no you know cultural space mm-hmm. at uh, UMD to kind of tap into that. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm glad that you're asking me this now. I've been starting to get involved in our like affinity group spaces a little bit more. Um, 
again, growing up, like my community, my friends were mostly Dominican. And so in grad school, this has been the first time that my friend group has been diverse truly diverse in the sense that like folks are Asian and like we're different kinds of queer and we're different kinds of um, different racial ethnic makeups right and we're a group of friends like a cohesive group of friends Um, and so I'm noticing that that is impacting my ability to coalition build a little bit more so I myself am finding myself in spaces between and I'm not the best at this because, again, I am a grad student working full-time, so I wish okay, I could do more. Okay, let me tell you. Um, but, like, I'm a part of the BGSU, right, the Black right. Graduate Student Union. I'm also a part of the um, – I just joined the Latinx Graduate Student Union. Oh, yeah. Um, but the BGSU does a lot more. And they're right? bigger. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah. the community is bigger. It's more organized. And so it's yeah. just how – I'm wondering, like, where is the Latinx community not um, – not making community it's it's just gonna take time just like i think insecure points it out in one of the in season two where i think molly goes to a black uh law firm and mm-hmm. you said it too you went through it with going to a black school it sometimes doesn't fit the same standard through technology or anything mm-hmm. um that a white predominantly white school would have it, it's hard to be and so when in you're the culture sometimes. a new culture a new kind mm-hmm. of culture is hard because you don't have you have the intelligence and the and the work ethic to do it, but you don't have the capacity. The, no, like the, the experience and the exposure. And the to, resources. The resources. Really. That's what it is. It's the resources yeah. to play. Like I said, I could probably start a coalition, but I don't know. I don't have the resources to do that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I don't. I would love to, but it's just that. It's like mm-hmm. having the resources, having the money. Money mm-hmm. is a big thing. Budgeting. Mm-hmm. And that, these things are, especially Latinx, I think that that's not always going to be budgeted properly or like that's not yeah. going to be always exposed to... That's not always going to be a, um, a main point. Mm-hmm. Some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'm noticing that the, organiz- the, the organizing or the, the things that are interesting to me at the University of Maryland around Latinx community are through the uh, minor, I think, that we have in Latin American studies. Yeah. And so that's interesting to me as well. Um, but I am starting to see the Latinx graduate students um, within student affairs. There's a lot more diversity in the graduate programs than as the undergraduate, though. I think so. Yeah. I think so. At least where I am in my little hub, my little bubble. I feel the same Super way. diverse. Super, yeah, super, like, actually diverse. And I think, and not I think, the faculty are very intentional about that and share that with us. They're like, it is important to us that you all come from different walks of life. And I feel like when people say that, they're like, everybody's different kind of white. Like, no, that's not actually what's happening with us. Um, (laughs) Yes. And so, you know, we're seeing that. But Student Affairs also just started a bunch of affinity groups. I'm part of a Latinas and Student Affairs affinity group. Um, There's a woman of color one. I'm trying to figure out where our black student affairs professionals affinity group is I think that there is one there and maybe I just missed the email but <laughs> I'm trying to join these spaces so that I can start meeting people yeah, yeah. it's important to network that's kind of what draws me to go back to school is mm-hmm. like going into these groups mm-hmm. and like kind of finding a community yeah I like that you brought that out so mm-hmm. uh, you have a water bottle there Reese. Mm-hmm. future Dr. Mena oh yes <laughs> 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 not here not oh here but gosh. she does have one yes I do and I've always loved that because Ashley has always been such a goal-oriented individual since I've known her, mm-hmm. and that means you obviously, and I want to get my PhD as well, mm-hmm. so we obviously are having a, a commitment of sorts to this higher education system, mm-hmm. which is, again, not always looks like us, mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm wondering why is that your passion? Mm-hmm. Is it to bring more representation? Is mm-hmm. it to bring uh, an awareness to what we're able to do? Hmm. 
Okay. Sure. <laughs> or could you just be like, I just be a doctor, y'all. I don't care. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you are, you're asking me a question that I have been grappling with. Right, like, right. Like, what you're saying is, I, I don't have the answer. I'm on this journey right now. I'm on many journeys right now. Um, but I think with getting my PhD specifically, um, I understand the importance of credentialing. Um, and at the same time, I'm very critical of the way that academia pushes people out. Um, doesn't hold space for all of who we are, right? Are really centered in whiteness, uphold a culture of like white supremacy, things that are rooted in white supremacy, even though it's not always named that way. And I see people actively resisting at different levels all of the time. Like my faculty brought us together because this is their active resistance, right? We are here, my colleagues and I are here in our cohort. This is our active resistance. Um, but my research is in perfectionism. I have that question, too. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> asked about that. So you have perfectionism and students of color. And I yeah. am obsessed with this because yeah. when I yeah. saw that, I was like, I'm obviously a perfectionist. And, mm-hmm. I, and I feel that because you have to be the best. Like I, when I was in grad school, my cohort was like, why are you so competition different? I was like, because I got to be the better than you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so uh, I'm specifically looking at how I'm more broadly interested in how systems of oppression are influencing the development of perfectionism, right? So I am, for my seminar paper, so I can finish this program, (laughs) more narrowly looking at how race and racism are affecting the development of this in graduate students of color. But like, how does like homophobia affect this? How does um, transphobia affect this, right? How does um, ableism affect all of the, the development of perfectionism? Cool. As I'm doing my research and I'm starting to really dig, it's not the perfectionism itself that I'm interested in, right? It's this notion that, like, if I don't do this, like, I don't just fail myself, I fail all these other people. It's this notion that this system around me has created something, a system, an institution, a culture that says that if I don't show up in these ways, then, like, I die, right? Essentially, like, capitalism throws you away. Um, and we see that all the time, right? As especially when the conversation around like the fact that black and brown men are missing from higher ed, right? That's a thing that is happening. Folks are being pushed out, mm-hmm. right? And also black women are showing such incredible resiliency, right? And so yes. what is happening here? What's, what are we seeing? Like, I'm, I don't know what this image is that I'm doing. I'm yeah. like, pulling something together, <laughs> but something's happening. I, I, I love that because, I mean, you're right. I mean, I'm as a person identifies as male mm-hmm. and being in these systems, it's, it's weird. Because it's, I do want to be the first doctor in my family, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, because you, you, if you have the ability, you're like, okay, I want to do it. I want to yeah. show other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also hard because then I'm usually the only one. Like, I was, like, the only <laughs> yeah. uh, black male in my program. Mm-hmm. was the only one of those black people in the office we worked in, you know, and... That's changing. But then you... Oh, nice. But also, you get, like, not fetishized, but, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but even within my own culture, they're like, oh, you're a black guy in this position. We mm-hmm. don't see education. You need to do all this stuff, camera. Are you, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And you're like... I Which camera. we see right. <laughs> 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 Out <laughs> real <yourself>. there. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's like... It's, it's so much and it's like you probably see me all the time I'm like I have to do everything yeah. and you're like why you do you do it? feel that way more than I do <laughs> because yeah I don't feel that that I feel like I said in my I work in gym I work mm-hmm. in gym and right now with my gym drama mm-hmm. I realize I have to show up and be the best at all times mm-hmm. and they will and if I am not the best at all times mm-hmm. then they will do any excuse mm-hmm. 
to um, to not give me the opportunity that I mm-hmm. definitely deserve. Right. And then when you advocate yourself, you're being told that you're it's your ego mm-hmm. or that you are you don't take criticism well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, bitch. Like, you know what I'm saying? I've worked really hard to be here. Yeah. So I think that's that struck a chord with me too because, like I said, I do feel that the expectation, but I don't I I, I don't have that willpower mm-hmm. to accommodate it. He's mm-hmm. way more. Or mm-hmm. She is way more <laughs> uh, accommodable to. I think she put. She's way harder on herself with that kind of stuff. Would you agree? Right. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'd be real. I almost feels like if I don't have that standard, then I either won't do it, mm-hmm. and then I won't be the best I can be. And mm-hmm. I have such a fear of just being regular mm-hmm. <laughs> that I, I couldn't do it. I really couldn't do it. I mean, even to this extent, like I'm saying I'm in a different persona, so I'm like, I can't let people see me. I mean, I don't look the best in drag right now, but I feel like I at least have to put enough effort in to be, and it still takes me an hour, an hour and a half, even though I don't have to, mm-hmm. but I'm like... I need to do it. I mm-hmm. need to do it to show people I can, yeah. to show what I'm able to do, to mm-hmm. show people that you can push through things. Yeah. Do you feel like Latin straight men, heteronormous straight Latin men, feel that same expectation in professional settings and Latina women as well? Or because I know, no, especially women feel like they have to be the best or show up to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I was going to get into that later too. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. Like in other. Does your boyfriend feel that way? Yeah. yeah. Do, do the, does he feel that same way? Um. I think the experience might be gendered differently. Mm-hmm. Um, For us girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Because women are so much harder... I feel like women are so much harder on themselves because they are expected to do way more than a man is. So that's why I'm wondering. Right, so... What are the different stresses between you and... Yeah, maybe straight guys don't feel like I do. Because all straight guys, they just be chilling. They chilling. Really chilling. <laughs> chilling. They be chilling. Be. At my work, they don't be doing nothing and be collecting a whole check. So does right. the femininity have an inherent... I mean... Intersectionality says that yeah. I'm going to experience this as a woman and as a person of color um, differently at the intersections of my gender and my race than a man or a per- somebody who's just a person who just identifies as a person of color and a man or as a woman and white, right? One of those privileged and unprivileged identities is going to experience that. So I don't know how cis straight. Latinx men are experiencing this. Um, I don't even like have any to <laughs> call from. We don't like you. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it's also hard to deal with. But I know yeah. that I experienced this like through the patriarchy and then through mm-hmm. white supremacy culture. Both. So I know I'm getting it both ways because I also have to look pretty enough to be pleasing to the eye to be there and also yeah. perform femininity this way. Because <laughs> I rolled up to work one day. Oh, yeah. With... Were you there? No. no. This oh. was very recently. <laughs> very recently. I'm on my own gender journey. And I rolled up with a pair of, like, black pants, my shoes. I normally wear heels to work, but I wasn't this day. Oh, I was girl, wearing, like, okay. a flat or whatever, like a, a slip-on. Um, and I had, like, a button-up shirt and bunned it all the way up, and my hair was pulled back. So a little bit more masculine presenting okay, than I I've typically do. Okay, I kind of looks best. Normal, right? Right. I normally come to work very feminine. And I remember somebody in my office looked at me and then looked at me again, stuttered because they didn't know how to articulate the difference that they noticed in me, and were like, I've just never seen you with your hair pulled back. <laughs> and just, like, panicked. They were just like, I... I I, Do I know who this is? Yeah. Okay, okay we'll tell that well, because, right. because I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like, what's her name? Uh, Amanda 
made a joke about that when a black girl changes her hair and the, her, the white, white girls white. don't know who they right. are. <laughs> was it that kind of thing? Well, this wasn't a white person, right? So oh, this is okay. another person of color. Um, oh. So okay. I'm experiencing like this notion that I have to perform. I have to perform super well because women are whatever in the workplace. And I have performed super well because black people are performed in the workplace and Latinas, blah, blah, blah. So... Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. All the time. I got to be cute, and I got to be smart, and yeah. I got to be uh, not aggressive, blah, 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 super pleasant, because, God forbid, I'm a aggressive black woman, and all of these other things. I don't know how you do that, dude. All those white families you deal with. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I, I yeah. like that program, because they would have got... <laughs> I did. I really struggled this year, because mm-hmm. a family, without saying, was being very anti-black, and... What were um, they saying? The roommate situation, probably. Yes. Of course. It's always well, that. A, a, a family wanted to... Um, and like I struggle, right? Because these co- these conversations are much more complex than white and black than like you were talking yeah. about, right? So we, I was engaging with um, a family that seemed to be Asian. Um, and I was managing the situation with my um, colleague who is also Asian, right? So the two of us are tag teaming this. This is somebody that I trust very much who does anti-racist work. Like, I am trusting this person. So we're here. And then this family is looking at us and the mother does not want her child to be roommates with this um with our student who is black oh. right and she's giving all of these reasons like oh i just don't think they get along there's blah 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 i'm worried that she's going to retaliate in these ways and the student that is the roommate is like so quiet mm-hmm. super nerdy Especially being in that program, you have to almost be right. kind of... Like 14. They're both like 14. Right. And so I'm reading the situation. I'm like, this is likely anti-blackness happening. And so I'm trying to navigate this space as a professional. But I really just want to be like, what the fuck is your damage? Yeah. Just be anti-black and go. Like, yeah. just say and go. We can change your roommate. Because this girl doesn't deserve to be dealing with all of the bullshit that you're giving her. Exactly. Um, and so, like, that's really hard. That was the first time that I was like, oh, this is real, real. Yeah. Oh, God. Is, really I don't is. have that cooth. I don't have that cooth now. I mean, it, I'm the coordinator now. This is yeah, my program. Oh, shit. That's I was going to say, I get, I get you. It's hard. It when is. you had a program, the, the, the intricacies you have to go through to, like, make sure everyone's happy without going on people is crazy. Right. And I'm, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, like, trying to get, like, trans-inclusive housing in our program, and I'm, like, fighting this battle, and I'm just like, oh. They're really not doing... Okay, well, we'll talk about There's a little out. bit. You know, there's some... We've made some <laughs> steps. We've made some steps, and I'm really happy about the steps we have made. Talk off loud about what's going on. <laughs> we just want to push a little more sometimes. <laughs> but, so, you know, you got to navigate. So, let's, let's, let's take it back to some positives. So... <laughs> Sorry, um, so some positives. We've been we've been ranting, y'all, but it's okay. Yeah. We had these, had these conversations. So tell us about your foundation, your network of support, mm-hmm. the, those things you do for self care. Because mm, yeah. I know that is a really big uh, push for you, which is I mean essential. Right. Um. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I, feel, I, feel, I feel that way too. Yeah. I mean, it's a journey, right? Um, I'm very interested in this notion, this idea that we come. Um, that I'm, like, learning about in, like, critical theorist spaces, which is, like, very, very academic, and I'm always trying to figure out what the hell people are saying in it. But they always talk about, like, liberation, right? And so part of the liberation process, I think, if I understand this correctly, is understanding is... um, Part of the liberation process is just being able to imagine what that future that you are, like, it's not this looks like, 
And I think that's where I find a lot of my grounding, mm-hmm. my hope, in that I can imagine forever. Like, I love to imagine. Like, I, all I do is imagine. And so I'm in a space where I'm surrounded by people who do this imagining with me. And it's hard, right? It's even hard to think about how do I not replicate the things And it helps me build empathy, and so that empathy has been really helpful as I see people who do the work. And sometimes, sometimes, I want to be like, no, goodbye, you're garbage. But I'm learning a lot more about how to be like, okay, you did something. Let's take that, start from there, and build, and build, and build. Because I'm finding myself struggling with, like, cancel culture as I am the one making mistakes. And I'm like... So what happens when I make the mistake? Because if my friends treated me with the same cancel notions that I mm-hmm. use sometimes for others, I'm like, yo, that's it, I'm done. So I'm learning a lot about like that empathy and that grace for the people who are doing the work, right? right. Like, we can cancel Donald Trump. Yeah, but for Justin Trudeau. Right. I don't know about him either. I don't know yeah. enough about him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. It, it was a Keep new it. thing Keep because it. he has been doing a lot of work. I mean, he has... Right. And so I don't know about that level, right? I'm not, I don't know about that level. But when I bring here, Mm -hmm. right, my colleague who gave me a double take, she didn't know how to engage with, have the language to talk about the fact that I looked different. My gender presentation was looking a little different that day. Uh Okay, that's cool. How do I open up that conversation? Right, so that we can have that to the extent that I'm comfortable to, right? Because I can't have every, I can't can't, tell everybody else to do that for themselves. Um, so that I think has been the like the, just like my rock right now. I'm just like I'm I'm searching for liberation, and I'm like I'm going to make it. Like I will plant my seeds. Yeah, and we will garden together in this space. Amazing. So. So that, that being said, um, what would you tell little Ashley? Oh God. The one, <laughs> the one, when she was in New York and New uh-huh. Jersey. Uh-huh. Um, what would you tell her um, when she was feeling not cool and not like the other girls? How does that? How would that? How would you show her love and self care right now? Oof, Rafi, you're putting <laughs> all of my heartstrings. I'd write a lot to myself, right? Uh-huh. A lot to past Ashley and imperfect Ashley and little Ashley, and I've been writing a lot to myself recently about like when I feel like I'm not enough because like I'm not I can't do it all I'm just one person just like I've written to myself recently like I will hold you and whatever this emotion is we will let it pass because you have to feel it and then I will fill you with my love and when that passes there will be space for everything else oh that's so perfect and so I think that's what we can <laughs> offer little Ashley. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect. That's per- because I, I like know. I said, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, that's perfect. Because um, that shows a level of not being, like, you not, that's mindfulness. My thing is I'm mm-hmm. a passion-oriented mm-hmm. person. So if I'm pissed, I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. And I will feel that motion, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to go beyond a certain point. Today, like I said, I was in a pissed-ass mood, mm-hmm. bitch-ass mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think what you just said it just made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like you will get over this. Mm-hmm. Like you, this is not you it. Gotta be mad. You gotta be. Mad. You can be mad. You gotta be mad. Mm-hmm. But you gotta get over this because mm-hmm. tomorrow's a new day. Mm-hmm. And that's what I told you. This when we're gonna have the tomorrow's gonna be a new day. I'm just waiting for tomorrow to hit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's so cute. 
I, I love that. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley, and really engaging with us with conversation and mm-hmm. being so vulnerable because um, this is so important for representation and just to bring awareness to people's minds about all the things that we do go through mm-hmm. on a daily basis because yeah. we have to do it all, but not really, but Remember, also but still we're really. Done. We have to do it <laughs> all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you don't get the luxuries to not be like, I'm not going to do right. this, you know, but... Right. Um, we re- again, we appreciate your honesty. And this has been your girl, Nunu Paris. Yes. And Rafi. And Ashley. And thank you for listening to Wait, Wait Don't, Don't Do it. it. Or The Ashley Show. Oh, the Ashley <laughs> Show. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye, boo.